Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Good to have you in live here on a Monday, Hour 2. Nick Hale, Braden Gall, Derek Mason, Marquise Munson with you as the Tennessee Titans fall yesterday at home at Nissan Stadium to the Buffalo Bills, 14-7. We'll touch base with our buddy Corey Curtis from News 2 coming up uh, hopefully at some point this hour. Scheduled to be joining us in a matter of moments. Uh, But until we do get Corey on the line, uh, I was going to get to this next segment, but we'll do it now. You spent, and, and by you, I mean John Robinson. Mm-hmm. I was about to say, huh? We? Yes. <laughs> it's all funny money. I'm not spending anything on this team. <laughs> but John Robinson spent $80 million in the offseason on Roger Saffold and Adam Humphreys. And right now, through five games, you have a $44 million left guard who can only do half of his job. Mm-hmm. And a $36 million slot receiver that, uh, unless schemed open, is largely irrelevant. I mean, he's been a factor, I think, in one game this year. I mean, right now it looks like your two offseason additions in free agency on the offensive side of the ball are whiffs. This was the problem, uh, the two problems with these these picks, Um, because I think they made this problem some years ago with Levine. Was um, Was it Levine they got from Buffalo, This um, the guard? Where he was a All Pro guard or a Pro Bowl guard, um, supposed to have been the best guard come in, in free agency, come to Titans for some strange reason he just it just goes to goes to hell in a handbag very quickly, and they jettison him, you know, after a few years, uh, and they spent a lot of money at that position to get him. Um, they do it again with Saffold. Uh, I think there was some. There was a knock on him before, prior to coming in that he, you know, run blocking, he was great, but pass blocking, he was sort of a liability. Okay, if that's the case, and, 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 and I have my quarterback in the back who's been sacked a million times, why then am I going to get someone that his, his weakness is pass blocking? I don't want that guy. I'm, or if I get him, I'm not going to pay him, pay him the money. And he's in his, what, 10th year? I, I would have loved to have known the conversations – between Vrabel, Keith Carter, um, am I, yeah, <laughs> you got me all Keith messed up. Keith, Keith you got me all messed up on the damn <laughs> offensive line coach's name. Keith Williams, Keith Carter, Keith Richard. No, if, if I would love to know what the conversation was in the scouting report, what their honest assessment uh-huh. was of Roger Saffold before they signed him. If if they were sitting there going, okay, this is a concern, but it's not that big of a deal. We think we can address it. Or if it's, man, this is a really huge issue, but we can't afford not to take this risk. Or, or oh, we, we don't have any problem. I'd love to have known what the conversations were like before they signed him when evaluating him. Because, uh, again, the one on the goal, like in their own, inside their own 10-yard line yesterday, where Lorenzo Alexander, it's it's a simple blitz. And he, mm-hmm. and he clearly picks it up because he's looking right at him. Alexander takes one step and spins inside and tackles Mariota in less than a second, and you're going, dude, what, like you didn't even put up a fight. Like, what are you doing? Like, did you not? Do you not know how to stop a regular? Like, that that one was just sort of alarming to me, and and I so I'd love to know what the scouting report was when they decided to sign yeah. him, because uh, again, maybe they just were wrong, yeah, or maybe they saw it and and ignored it. I, I don't know. I'd love to know what they thought. But, and then the the Adam Humphreys thing. You paid him close to ten million dollars per year, nine million per year on average, um, for a slot guy. And I know the league in 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 the average is okay. You got to pay a guy at that position because it's a critical position. 
um, in in the NFL now because you run three so many three wide receiver sets and you need that guy in the middle. But to spend nine million dollars on a guy that averaged ten yards a catch at a, at a previous at his previous stop. But you know what though, with his numbers at his previous stop, Tampa Bay. He had all those catches last year. It almost seems it like was inflated. It, it, it almost seems like he was a stack compiler on a team that week in and week out was always trailing. And you had Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson on the outside. But that's what I said when they when they brought him in. I was with I you. Said, I was with you. I on said that. they brought in a guy that was on a team that was horrible and threw the ball more than anybody, more than anybody in the NFL. I think they were either the first or second. But they threw the ball a lot. So, it, of course, if you got Mike Evans and Deshaun, Watt, Deshaun Jackson on the outside, they're going to get the bulk of the coverage, and you're going to work one-on-one. So you were getting a lot of catches, a lot of 10-yard catches. J- just by comparison's sake, he got $9 million, four years, $36 million. John Brown, for the Bills, got three years, $27 million, $9 million per. John Brown in the slot, plus what John Brown can do vertically – and I mean, John I think Brown I, is a two-dimensional player. We, we, we talked about John Brown in the offseason as yeah. far as free agent yes. guys. Yeah, I think that's somebody we all kind of. That was liked. somebody we yeah. all wanted. I, I, I will. I totally disagree with the whiff on, on Adam Humphreys. He's third on the team in targets. He's third on the team in receptions. He's averaging ten yards a catch. He's kind of doing what we expected in this offense. I think he is an asset and a commodity to this this offense. I think all of the receiving numbers are down because. The offensive line can't block anybody. You, you could argue Roger Saffold has been a liability. Adam Humphreys hasn't been a liability. There, there, there's not anything he's doing that's hurting the team. So I, I don't. Do you think they just know, don't scheme him open? Or, or? I, I think every I think every part of this offense is struggling right now in the passing attack because of the offensive line. So I, you know, they only averaged three point eight yards a carry on offense yesterday, running the football again. The Bills' defense is really good. We tried to tell you guys all week last week that this was going to be a low scoring, ugly field goal affair, and unfortunately. The Titans have a guy they signed off of the the street, and he missed all four of them. And the coach made a bad decision, and they gave up five sacks. I, I, I'm Adam Humphreys is 26. He's got three more years on the deal. He'll go through 29 years old. I, I don't have a problem with Adam Humphreys being on the team at that price tag. I think he's a commodity that this offense can use. The Saffold thing is is interesting because he is an actual liability in the passing game right now, and that's a failure at, at a higher price tag. And you said Derek for a guy who's in his 11th year or whatever, like that's. To me, there's a little bit of a difference between the two. I don't view Adam Humphreys nearly the same way I view Roger Saffold. I'm, I'm much more critical of the Saffold decision. Right this now. is what the Tennessee Titans need to do. They need to remove Adam Humphreys from the slot position, put A.J. Brown at the slot position, put Tajay Sharp and Corey Davis on the outside, and let's roll. He should, he's not the, – the NFL, they need a bigger guy in there because for summer he's averaging 9.5 yards. He only has 45 yards in yak yardage. That was supposed to have been the reason we get him. Throw him a five-yard pass, let him get another five, six, seven yards. He's not doing what we are asking him to do. He's just not that player. I am putting A.J. Brown as my slot receiver. A.J. Brown as my slot receiver. At least if I get him the ball, he's going to break tackles. He's going to get up the field. I'm putting Tajay Sharp on the outside. He's been a forgotten person. And I'm putting um and I'm putting um, Davis on the outside. And I'm rolling with those three guys. So at least we got three guys out there that are 6'3 and above that are going to play physical football, that are going to catch the ball and get up the field. Damn the rest of this, okay? Adam Humphreys, he, his, his years were in Tampa, okay? He's still viable. He's he's a he's a commodity to this team, but I don't think he's 
he's that guy that you say, yo, he's our slot guy. He's We're going to roll with changer. him. Yeah. He's not. I think if you put court, if you put AJ Brown at the slot receiver, he's more of a game changer than, than, than what, um, um, Adam I, Humphreys I, is. You use Adam Humphreys as a, you bring him in as a specialty guy. You put him in motion, do all these things, and get him open. You, But your main guy in the slot should be A.J. Brown. I, I, I think we're missing the forest through the trees on this conversation. It, where, where is Adam Humphreys on the list of 53 guys as to the reason they lost the game yesterday? He, he, oh, he's uh, high on the list. He, missed, no, he dropped some balls. He dropped some balls. He, he dropped one just so like Delaney Walker did and Deion Lewis and, and Corey Davis. My, my issue is Taylor Lewan was a bigger liability yesterday than, than – than Adam Humphreys was. Roger Saffold, far bigger liability yesterday. Ben Jones and, and Nate Davis were bigger liabilities as to why this team lost the game. Cairo Santos, bigger liability. You know what I mean? Like Mike Vrabel was a bigger liability yesterday to losing that game than Adam Humphreys. I just, how, how big of an impact did Adam Humphreys have on the loss yesterday? I, I'm just not hanging it around his neck yesterday. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. Not it's just, it around his it's neck, just the, the, the $80 million that they spent on right. these two it, guys collectively looks bad. Yeah, and we're not no getting question. what no we question. pay for. No, no question. I, and that that is a different discussion than how did they lose the game yesterday, and whose fault is it? It's, it's, Adam Humphreys is not high on that list for me. Now, again, it, we can certainly discuss, is $9 million? I, I just think when you look at Roger Saffold at 30, 31 years old, at, at a premium position where the team is failing, that, that is the issue for me, is Roger Saffold at $44 million at, 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 at you know, 26 years old for Adam Humphreys. He's still got three. Like, he will fulfill his contract for the Titans, and probably, you know, again, is it overpay? Probably. But is that the cost of doing business in the NFL? Sure. Eight or $9 million is not really that expensive for a receiver, but he should be producing more. I'm with you. I'd like to see Tajay Sharp get, get integrated into the offense a little bit more. I just don't think it's any of their faults. It, there's, if, if, Tajay Sharp has only been targeted eight times this year. It, it, all of these guys would be better if there was a quarterback – like, again, against Atlanta, who had time to throw, where he discovered, oh, I can sit back here and find open receivers and throw footballs, just like Josh Allen had time yesterday on two drives, and on two drives he made he made the Titans pay. Otherwise, the Titans made his life miserable yesterday, too. So, I, I just, there's just not, the receiving core, outside of a few drops yesterday, I, I'm not putting it on the receiving core. It's the offensive line and, and Saffold for me. He got to get open. I mean, that's, that's, and that's, that's another thing. That's another thing for they, sure. They, he got. They got to get open. All right, six one five seven three seven one zero two five. The number we just touched base with our buddy Corey Curtis from News Two. He'll join us on the other side as we wrap up our Titans conversation for this hour. Corey Curtis next, and then we'll get to maybe the best thirty minutes of the entire weekend. That's coming up at seven thirty this morning. We're back after this on Morning Drive. Corey Curtis is like the internet. You you need it almost every minute of the day. Just like uh, just like Xfinity's got you covered. Because hey, you've got shows you got to stream, emails you want to reply to, all the LOLs, and you got to look at Corey Curtis's Twitter account. And you got to smash that like button all day long. That's why you need Xfinity. You can get faster, more reliable internet with gig speeds available, so you can get online and get down to business faster. Or maybe just troll Corey Curtis on Twitter. I don't know. And Xfinity delivers enhanced network security so all your connected devices are protected. Get instant alerts when strangers are trying to hop on your Wi-Fi network. Set curfews with parental controls and pause your Wi-Fi at dinner time. That's life with Xfinity, the best internet provider in America, according to speedtest.net. Now that's simple, easy, and awesome. Get started with Xfinity Internet for $20 a month for 12 months with a one-year agreement. Or get four times the speed for just $10 for $10 more a month for 12 months. Plus, at Enhanced Network Security, go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today. Requires EcoBill and AutoPay. Offer ends 1-7-20. Restrictions apply. New performance starter, 25 megabits 
internet customers only. Equipment taxes and fees are extra and subject to change after term. Regular rate supply, actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Corey Curtis, when we come back. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. Nick Braden, D. Mace, Marquise with you here on a Titans Monday, 737-1025. If you want to climb in as we welcome in our buddy Corey Curtis from News 2 who joins us each and every Monday. Corey, your biggest takeaway from yesterday's 14-7 defeat was what, sir? Oh, man, so many. Um, you know, I, I've <laughs> been covering this team a long time, and I've seen them lose some tough ones. That's among the toughest. Um, because you just walked away feeling like they should have won that football game. You know, you missed four kicks. You, they took more points off the board yesterday than they scored. That's hard to do, but but they did it. Uh, but I think the biggest thing for me overall is without consistent offensive line play, it is very hard to win in the NFL. No, you're absolutely right, Corey. Um, you know, people thought um, that, you know, when Taylor came back, all their problems were going to be solved, and you I were, don't know if everybody yeah. thought. That. Well, there are a lot of people. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. And and, and and that's what you know. We've been screaming at even before Taylor came back, and when we said, "Listen, it's not like you know Taylor was playing last year, and this was the greatest offensive line." They still had their problems, so it's not going to change yep. uh, when Taylor comes back. And you were sitting right in front of me yesterday, and I just don't think. And 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 I w- I would love to know how do how do you see this. Um, because Nick said, well, maybe the offensive coordinator, I mean the offensive line coach needs to be fired. Do you see this so much on the offensive line coach or on the actual players that are out there? You know, Mace, that's, that's a great question, um, and I wish I was smart enough to say what it was. All I know is this. After the game, Roger Saffold said, it's a fundamental thing. We just got to get back to our fundamentals. Uh, we'll go back to practice and correct it. Correct it. Well, Saffold's been struggling in pass protection since the preseason. So, you know, if that's the issue and it keeps up coming up over and over and over again, who's it on? I, I You know, that that's the big question. But I, I look at this, you know, they had Jones, Conklin, and um, Luan when the previous regime was in, and they protected the quarterback. He got sacked, what, like 20 times a year? You know, just two times a game, basically, or not even. And last year, the sack parade started. He got sacked over 40 times. And this year, he's on pace to get sacked over 70 times. And so, you know, I look at the players, yeah, but I also look at the change in in the coaching staffs because that's when you have this significant change to the onslaught on the quarterback, no matter who it was. I mean, you know, we act, you know, I know there's this popular notion that Mariota is responsible for the sacks when Saffold and, and Nate Davis decide to not touch anyone, but was Ryan Tannehill responsible when the Steelers came to town and lit them up so badly that Marcus had to come out of the game in a preseason game? I mean, this is, this is a problem, and it's a problem never, no matter who is taking the snaps, and, it, and it's been a problem since this regime has taken over. Hey, Corey, what do you feel about – now three weeks in a row, sort of a, 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 a you know a questionable coaching decision by Vrabel inside yeah. scoring territory. Um, I, I, I listen. I, I've been a Mike Vrabel believer. I thought we learned a lot about him last year as a positive. Was not a talking point at all during the summer, and and I've liked I've liked his aggressive nature. But it seems like he's totally mismanaged three really critical decisions in each of the last three games in scoring territory. 
Well, of all the times that he should have gone for it and not kicked it, this was the time. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I said last night, he had three choices there, and he did the one that made the least sense. And, and I say it because of this. Even if the kick is good, you still need to score a touchdown. You still need, you still need to score a touchdown. And, you know, it's a real shame because Marcus put it right on Delaney's hands. And, and he dropped it. And he had a guy, you know, I think grabbing the back of his jersey. But, you know, I'm sure Delaney would be the first to tell you he's, he's got to catch that. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, six minutes to go, you're on their 35. Even punting it made more sense there to pin them inside the 10 and then, you know, try to get the ball back up at midfield. Um, but, you know, we all saw the same thing when Santos went out there. The Bills were getting the ball at the 43-yard line. That's what we all saw. I mean – you know, even if he was three for three, I still don't think that decision makes the most sense. But that's me. I don't get paid, you know, three, four, five million dollars a year to make that decision. I'm a guy in a suit watching from above. Corey Curtis, News Two, joining us here on Morning Drive. You know, you, the one thing you can always bank on with this team is the defense. Dean Pease and that unit—they do their job week in and week out. We can sit here and we can talk about Vrabel and the offensive line and the special teams and the offensive line coach and go through all the bullet points and play the blame game. But is there a point where you get a divide in the locker room where the defense looks around and says the offense and the special teams aren't holding up their end of the bargain and that could cause a riff within a locker room? Well, I think with some teams it happens. I think, I think it could depend on the personalities on the team. It can depend on the personalities of the coaching staff. I mean, I remember with, you know, the 85 Bears, you know, you had, you had two coaches on that staff that were on polar opposites of the regime, and that was going to lead to a divide. Um, but, I, I mean, I mean, uh, look, the offense knows it needs to be better, it needs to score. The defense needs to not give up 60-yard runs in the fourth quarter. I mean, as good as they've been in all three losses – They've given up huge fourth-quarter runs that have been critical to the outcome of the game. So, you know, you can poke holes in everything. You know, certainly the offense needs to be better. And, you know, not just because of a divide with the defense, but because they're 2-3. and three And they can't, they can't give away anymore. Yeah, Corey, we were, you know, watching a game last night or yesterday. And I got a chance to – I ran into TD – um, and was talking with him. And I said, you know what, the difference between um, Buffalo and the Titans defensive-wise, I'm not even talking about their offense because I think the Titans' offense is better. They just didn't, you know, show it yesterday, um, drop pass or whatnot. But I think the dif- difference between um, the defense is the Titans' defense is good. They are sound. Uh, Dean Peace does a great job of putting them in positions where – they, they make the tackle. They get them down for the most part. I said the Buffalo Bills are well-coached. They're disciplined. But you know what? They're intimidating, too. That's an yeah. intimidating physical defense. And the Titans, that's not the Titans' defense. And until they get that part, I think they will just continue to be a really good defense, a defense that – yeah, they're going to stop people, but you know as sooner or later there's going to be one or two big plays that just breaks their back. And maybe it doesn't happen until Jeffrey Simmons comes next year. I, I think what you're talking about is kind of what I, I think that was last week or two weeks ago I talked about creating that chaos 
and that carnage where where like it just it, it feels like there's a tornado on the field mm-hmm. um, because somebody's going to get lit up or somebody's going to get beat. You know, I mean, Rashawn Evans had a couple of big time hits yesterday. You know, the one on Josh Allen was one where you just went whoa, <laughs> and you know those those are situations that make you go okay. And, you know, those, those can be difference makers as the day goes on. I mean, you look at the one turnover they got. They flushed him from the pocket. They're chasing him. They got another guy in his face, and they forced him into a bad decision. You know, those, one of those, you know, chaotic moments you create on offense. And it's, it's one of those things that I agree that I separate, I think separates the good defenses, you know, from the great defense. You know, I know, like, they talk about complementary football. We knew they would need a short field in this, in this game. They got one. They got seven points out of it. And then they followed it up. You know, Bayard made a fantastic pass breakup on third down in the very next series after that, and they and they were going right down the field. So the, you know, the defense was feeding the offense, and the offense was responding. And then the moment the offense had the two touchdowns wiped off the board and the field goal then missed, what happened? Sixty yard run. So you know, the offense had something go wrong, and then the defense let down. And that can't happen. You know, it's just it, it, no matter how good you've been or how bad anybody's been, you can't let down. You you've got to rise. Corey, always appreciate the time and the insight. Thank you so much. All right, sorry, it's a few minutes late, fellas. Have a you got time. it all good, Corey Curtis. News too. You're fired. Talking Tennessee Titans. I mean, somebody's got to go. I, I know I've said it multiple times. Santos, Keith Carter, special teams coach. Here's, here's the question I have, and, and Derek, you're only the you're the only one qualified enough to answer this. I'd like to know what. Let's say hypothetically you move on a coach because they they fired, I believe, the special teams coach a couple years ago under Mike Malarkey. They have not made a lot of in season moves uh, in the past. I'd like to know what an what a new offensive line coach what, what what exactly would that look like? You probably just elevate somebody or change somebody's responsibility on the staff, right? It's not like you go out and hire somebody new. So hypothetically, let's say they were to all right, we're going to move on from this offensive line coach and get another one. What would that look like, and how big of an impact can you actually have? Um, and we can do you know where's uh, where's Russ Grimm at? I mean, is he available? Can, we can talk about it more, you know, on the other side or whatnot. But it's just the Titans were at their best when, um, you know, they were a few years ago under uh, Munchak. We all know wherever Munchak goes, the offensive line is going to be great. We seen it at Pittsburgh. What happened? Pittsburgh was horrible. Up front, they hire Mike Munchak. They become that team again. Up front, Mike Munchak leaves. They kind of uh, he goes somewhere else. That offensive line is very good. The offensive line was good under Mike Munchak, and uh, they were good too under uh, Malarkey. They got to get someone, and I don't know if firing the offensive line coach is the is is the is the answer or not. But all I know is this: the last two years. They've been horrible. They have been utterly horrible. And they're paying people too much money on that offensive line to be that bad and their quarterback to be getting hit that much. All right. The 30 best minutes of the weekend was probably Saturday evening from uh, 10 after 6 Central Time until about 7.15. We'll get to that when we come back here on Morning Drive. All right, 7.31. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. We will take a little 30-minute recess from the Titans. We'll get back to them at 8 o'clock. But the other culprits of the weekend, the Vols, Vandy, the Preds, they're all on deck for the next 28 minutes. 
but it was probably the best 30 minutes of the weekend. And this is where we are in the state of Tennessee when it comes to football, where we point out the best 30 minutes was the Tennessee Volunteers, who ultimately lost by 29 points on Saturday uh, as a 25-point home underdog to Georgia, still couldn't cover. But the, the best part of the weekend was probably the first half where Brian Maurer making his first career start and Tennessee looked relatively respectable, and they were in that game for all of, you know, what, a quarter and uh, ten minutes? I mean, listen, the first, that, that, that was, I, I don't know what you guys think, including the Chattanooga game, I think that's the best half of football Tennessee played all year. 100% agree. I think it's the best half of football the Vols played the entire season, and they still were down 12 points after playing that half of football. That, that, is, that is sort of where the program is. They are a touchdown underdog at home to a team that might not be a top 50 team in America this coming up. Mississippi State. Mississippi State. I, I looked at a bunch of rankings yesterday just to double-check to see where they were, according to a lot of different people. CBS had them at 51st in the, in, in the nation. They are ba- barely a top 50 team, and the Tennessee Volunteers are a touchdown underdog at home. That, that is where this team is. Jeremy Pruitt has coached 10 SEC games. 10, right? Seven times he has lost by 25 points or more out of 10 SEC games. That is compl- it's, it's hard to do. It's, it's hard to do. They've lost four consecutive SEC games by 25 points or more. Two of those were Missouri and Vanderbilt. So I realize that when you say you've lost a lot of games big, you're going to say, oh, well, you've played Alabama, you've played Georgia twice, you've played Florida twice. I, I, I get that. When you play a lot of top 10 teams, you're going to lose sometimes big, and I get that. But not when Missouri and Vanderbilt are two of the four that you've lost consecutively by 25 points or more. Not West Virginia. Like, like they, they have, they're not competitive in certain games, and that, that's really disappointing. I know the score got kind of blown up in the fourth quarter there, and so, you know, again, they played a far better football game than the score indicated. And, and listen, Brian Maurer, like, if they, they need to find out what they've got with him because he lit Georgia up in the first half. Now, yeah, Georgia showed some signs. Georgia made great, great uh, um, adjustments, and basically the Tennessee's offense was completely neutralized in the second half, but let's see what the young kid can do. I think the move to him was clearly the right decision. All the things I said last week about, well, starting your, making your first career start as a true freshman against Georgia is probably not the smartest decision. Well, it turned out it was, he did a pretty good job in the first half. So um, I, I don't know what, I, I don't know what to say to Tennessee fans anymore. Uh, it, it's hold, hold on for dear life and, and try to survive because, you know, it, Mississippi State's a winnable game, but you're going to have to play like you did in the first 20 minutes against Georgia and then finish the job to get a W. What I say to all fans is, get ready for basketball season. Wow. Get ready for basketball. <laughs> That's your only hope right now. Get ready for basketball season. Um, and, 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 and pray to God that the team is as good or better than they were last year, meaning the basketball team. But, no, seriously, um, they played a good first half. And I, I wasn't surprised because Georgia – Georgia played this type of football where if they know they are just better than you, they kind of get in these laws and they let you hang it and they figure out, oh, man, okay, now let's start playing. They just they hit us in the stomach once. Okay, it hurt. Okay, let's start playing now. That's what they did. UT came out and hit him with a gut shot after Georgia's first touchdown. They came in, hit him with a haymaker, 70-something yard touchdown. Dude, Boom. And, and did you guys see the crowd reactions? It, oh, it was like goodness. they had won the Super Bowl. But what did I tell you? It was said, like, oh, my God, something to cheer about. Uh, I said, oh. Vol fans, even, even if you know you're going to get beat by 30 points, show up. And they did. 
They showed yeah, I up. Agree. They I had. Agree. I mean, that stadium was packed. So, with so orange. I got. It's, it's fascinating that you brought that up, and and because I think it's a great point. I got two text messages on on Friday night and Saturday morning from. Re, I mean, season ticket holder, lifelong Tennessee volunteer diehards that said they had tickets to the Georgia game and they were going to the Preds game instead. And that they were like, I can't, if you'd have told me 15 years ago I'd be going to a hockey game on a Saturday night in October mm-hmm. over going to watch my beloved Vols play against the Georgia Bulldogs, I, I, you would have told, I would have told you you were crazy. And so I was, I was very interested in what the crowd was going to look like. And I also, like you, Derek, give credit to Tennessee fans for showing up and making that place at least somewhat hostile for Georgia. Now, there were a lot of Georgia fans there, too. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree. I, I was concerned after getting multiple – Multiple people were like, "Hey, we're we're picking the Preds over the Vols. We're we're going to the Tennessee. We're going to the Predators game instead of going up to Knoxville for this game." I was nervous, and right. I and I was pleasantly surprised with the crowd. I guess it didn't matter. Both teams lost, so no, it really yeah. didn't matter. <laughs> if I'm the governor of the state of Tennessee, I am declaring a football state of emergency in this entire state. The what Titan, can you do about that, Dan? What do you do the about The Titans that? stink. Mm-hmm. The Vols are a lost the, the cause. The Titans don't stink. Vanderbilt is atrocious. We are officially a southern Canadian province. <laughs> All we have left in this state is hockey. Other than Memphis on the western end of this state, I'm, I'm just talking about Nashville to Knoxville, the middle, the middle portion, east, except for the west. We've got nothing. All yeah. we have is hockey. Me- Memphis football. I might, moved to Winnipeg, apparently. My, Memphis football <laughs> might be, yeah, minus the temperatures. Uh, Memphis football might be the best college football team in the state. Think yeah. about that. Um, that's that's not that crazy of a statement. Van- Vanderbilt, atrocious doesn't describe Vanderbilt currently right now. It, it is. I, I, there are. <laughs> that, that showing against Ole Miss on Saturday was downright pathetic. Um, 31-6. At least Tennessee fought valiantly against an elite top five team. And, and, and give Vandy credit. They played well against Georgia, too, relative to, to, to expectations in that game in week one. So... Um, but but Vanderbilt's in in in. I would not put the Titans in a. I still think the Titans can make the playoffs because they're only a game back in the division and the AFC is a total mess right now. Um, I don't have any reason for optimism about Tennessee Volunteer football. I will say though, like you said, Derek, basketball season could be quite fun. You've yeah. got you got a superstar now for Memphis, right? With with Morant, mm-hmm. it's going to be fun to watch. Um, you got Casey Alexander at Belmont. You've got. Um, Rick Barnes at Tennessee. Yeah. You got Jerry Stackhouse here. Like there's Penny. How, you got Penny at Memphis, Penny who's predicting Memphis, a who's, national championship. Who's got you know? He, he got the best recruiting class. He got the best recruiting he? class, yeah. and he knows how to just he knows how to go after all the other coaches in the state, <laughs> uh, which is fun. Uh, so like college basketball season could be full of drama in the yeah. state of Tennessee, just like it was last year. Um, and hockey season, I think you know, but you know, come springtime, I think the Preds will be just fine. I'm not worried about him after one <laughs> loss I, to the Detroit. Can, can I overreact right now? Wait, how many? Yeah. What days? Can I overreact? Is oh, Monday's. And, oh, I gotta pull it up now. You <laughs> can't just three, two. Can what? I overreact today? Well, what? if you, if it's gonna be he's on the ice, we'll do that next. Back there. Mondays and Thursdays. Okay. And then on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Okay. Okay. So Monday, I Thursday. So I can't overreact. It is. It's about the ice. Okay. We'll we'll yeah. get to the ice oh. coming up in five minutes. Well, let me ask you something real quick before we go to break. Derek Mason has a playing surface rant. I love that. Not ice, but. But speak, speaking of Derek Mason and playing yeah. surfaces, I, I don't know that the head coach over at Vanderbilt is going to have a platform with playing surfaces much longer. I will say this. Did mm. Jeremy Pruitt coach the best football game in Tennessee this week? 
Ooh, yeah, probably for thirty probably minutes at least. So yeah, and lost by twenty nine points. And lost by twenty nine like, points. Like if we're doing weekly coaching power rankings, I would put Pruitt ahead of Vrabel and Mason right now. Yeah. So where would you put Mason and Vrabel then? Uh, dead last. But would you put Mason second? No, I put Vrabel? Vrabel was Vrabel yesterday was coaching malpractice. I think you guys are forgetting some some teams in the state of Tennessee. Yeah, we are a lot of them. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're, you're. I'm just talking about the the, the yeah. power three. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I mean, 52 points for Memphis over Louisiana Monroe. So yeah. right, right now, Mike Norvell is number one. Yeah, Norvell's number one. Oh, by Norvell's far. Norvell's number one. Uh, I, don't, I didn't see what middle score was over the weekend because I'm willing to give at you that Rick Stockstill probably did a better job than Mike Rabel and Derek Mason. Yeah, at least Coach Stockstill well. has reasons for losses because they've scheduled teams like Michigan. Uh-huh. Um, they beat a very good Marshall team over the weekend. So 24 Duke. Who else did Middle Tennessee State play? Iowa. Was it Iowa? Iowa. Yeah, Iowa. No, they, they're, like, they're playing real competition. No, Marshall was a, is a decent group of five team, and they beat them. So Norvell and Stock did by far the best coaching job they in the state the, of Tennessee. They are one, two in the power rankings. Yep. This, this week. And yep. then between At, Pruitt's, those two. Pruitt's number three. I um, No, between those two, I'm putting high school coaches. Oh. And then <laughs> the rest of them. Yeah, putting high school coaches. How did TSU play this weekend? Yeah, I, we I didn't did, see yeah. how did TSU play? Because they, he, you know, he could be above them too. Austin P. Yeah. Austin. How about UT Martin? <laughs> exactly. UT Chattanooga. How are they doing? All yeah. right, we will come back and we will get to the ice. The Predators also lost, and for some reason, they can't beat the Detroit Red Wings. Ten of the last eleven that they've played against Detroit has resulted in a loss. Uh, some thoughts on the game, but also just some observations through the first two games. We'll get to that as we wrap up the first half of the show. Coming up next. And the Detroit Red Wings are going to win their season opening game, beating the Predators here tonight 5-3. We chased the first period. We got it back in the second period. I thought that was our best period. We had to chase it again in the third a couple times. And I think when you do that, you're you're not going to be successful as much as you'd like to be. Playing with the lead and playing from ahead is where you want to be, and we never got there tonight. You know, it was... I thought that we continued to press offensively through the second and the third, even in the third period where we didn't win the period. I thought we continued to press, but some of the decisions that we made in the offensive zone led to things coming back too quickly into the defensive zone. Not good enough. I mean, first period was, was bad, obviously down to nothing. Then second period was really good. Came back, and then, like you said, it's back and forth, and that's not the hockey we want to play. Definitely not the hockey that, yeah, that, we, that we talk about playing. And uh, giving up too many chances and obviously they they score on them too but um, yeah there's some positives but overall not not good enough there you have it pete weber peter laviolette philip forsberg as the predators dropped the 10th time in 11 meetings with the detroit red wings on saturday night they fall to one mm-hmm. and one on the season and uh just two observations really through two games and of course there's there's still 80 more games to go mm-hmm. uh one good thing is i like the way they're moving the puck on the power play they got a power play goal on saturday night so that's a positive through two games you can definitely see uh definitely more puck movement more just urgency so i like that but defensively right now and i'm not even talking sorrows i'm just talking about the blue liners and the team collectively a little bit of a liability defensively through two games. Yeah, and my, my takeaway was you can't, and to, to your point, and kind of piggybacking off of what you're saying, is you can't always play from behind. Um, you'll come back on some teams, and you'll come back and win a bunch of those games, especially if you're as talented offensively as this Predators team is. But you're down 2 nothing after one. You tie it up in the second. You heard him talking about it there. And then you get into the third, and you're down 3-2. Then you tie it up, and then you're down. Like You just can't play from behind like that. Uh, and, and also, uh, Dutchie. 
uh, Dutchy, two more apples on Saturday <laughs> night. That's five apples for Dutchy. Um, he's he's really good. I mean, Matt Duchesne so far has been as advertised and, and worth the money. He's creating a lot of offense, and then, like you said, Nick, the puck is clearly moving um, on the power play. So, Matt Duchesne, eighteen minutes of ice time uh, so far through two games, which is uh, amongst the best for forwards. Uh, I believe behind only Philip Forsberg as far as ice time per game. So. Yeah, having a huge impact. In fact, that line is playing like the first line right now. Forsberg with a couple of goals, Duchesne with five assists. That line right now might be your first line. Uh, yeah. Um, I was looking at the article they wrote in The Athletic. Uh, when you look at um, Forsberg, Duchesne, and Granlin, um, they have 26 minutes of ice time, and then the semester Johansson and Arvison line has 21 minutes um, of ice time. Off-zone um, star percentage. Uh, the Smith, Johansson, Arvison is much higher in expected goal percentage. They are just a tad bit higher than Forsberg, Duchesne, and Granlin. So, Granlin was this yeah. close from tying the game late in the third period. You too. say the Forsberg, Duchesne, and Granlin could be the first line, but if you look at expected goal, goal percentage, um, that Smith, Johansson, and Arvison line, and 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 Lavi made it's, the it's quote. One A, one yeah, Lavi yeah. made the quote. You can't say they're the first line because then the other line gets mad. <laughs> Uh, but but this is what we 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 envisioned to have two lines that are basically one. Yeah, uh, the and they're going to need that moving forward. Um, you know, because you can't in this league once you get in the playoffs, you can't just have one dominant line. I think you got to have more than that. But I just want to say two things, and it's the overreaction Monday. Yes, Soros don't he should never start another game. <laughs> <laughs> Pecorino should start all 80 games moving forward. Soros never start a game again um, on this team until Pecorino is gone. Coach, I mean, Coach including, Mason, Coach including Mason, playoffs, uh, everything. Co- yeah. Coach Mason, uh, can I ask a question? Uh, yeah. Coach, um, are you concerned about the tr- the wear and tear on the body for no. Pecorino should he start 81 games this year? Are you concerned about how fresh he'll be in the playoffs? Coach? No, we only need him for two more seasons. That's all. <laughs> No, I'm not. So he's like Derek we'll Henry. Just, rest. Just yeah. use him up. <laughs> we'll give him his rest. He should start all the remainder of the day. No, I'm just playing. He can go hang people. out in Finland yeah. in the summertime. But, I am just playing people. Okay? But, but in all seriousness, though, are you surprised that Soros got the start in game two with only a day between games? Not no, at all. I'm not. I kind of um, like it. It didn't result in the result we we need, but... The, the closer we are to a 50-50 split, I think that's better for Pekka long-term. I, I think I it is. Entering in the, you know, this is a team that they want to be playing their best hockey once they enter the playoffs or down that stretch. And if you have a healthy and rested Pecorini, I think that's what's best for this team. And, 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 and people are always kidding about the whole 80 games. But Soros has proven he's going to have some bad games, just like Pekka's going to give up some goals. But he's proven that – he is a guy they they can rely on. They trust, meaning Soros. Um, so if they want to get closer to that 50-50 split, knowing that in the playoffs we're going to need Pekka, then I'm okay with that. And I think a lot of people, if you ask a lot of people, they will be okay with that too. But the one guy that I just, I, I mean, I just love, man. And and I'm just hoping, I'm hoping and praying that if, the, if they do indeed make it to the playoffs, he can continue to play bigger than his size. If Victor Arvidsson, man. He's on pace for 82 goals, uh, and he might just get it. No, I'm overreacting uh, Matt Duchesne is on pace for 205 assists. <laughs> but this kid, just, just man, like, no. <laughs> he is just he's, – he's a creator. He's a finisher. Uh, he's just – he knows how to put the puck in the net with his face mask. He don't care. 
He just used every part of his body to put the put the puck in the in the net. And guys like that are infectious. Guys like that rub off on everyone else. And I just I enjoy watching yeah. uh, Arvison play. If you could just extract his competitive spirit mm-hmm. and inject that into every Titans player, every Vols player, every Vandy player, every coach that we've ridiculed for the first hour and forty minutes. We'd have a much better product. We have a bunch of five foot eight white guys running around. But at least they, at least there'll be a lot of effort and a lot of fun. You're right about that. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll solve that problem. I'll solve that problem. Here, here's what you need. You need a laboratory. Uh huh. And I need. Here's who I need to come into the laboratory. I need Victor Arvidsson. Mm-hmm. I need Colton Sissons. I need Juwan Jennings. Mm-hmm. All right, so that'll solve your five eight white guy problem. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a little bit taller now, <laughs> taller and slightly different skin exactly. tone. Exactly. Uh, give me Juwan. Uh, a little bit more melanin in his body. <laughs> give me Juwan Jennings, Victor Robertson, Colton Sissons, and I'm trying to think who off the Titans that I'd want. Like who's the gnarliest, hardest give me worker? Jayon Brown. And I'm thinking Jayon Brown, Brown, Kevin Byard are probably the yeah. two I'd go with. So give me Kevin Byard, Juwan Jennings, Victor Robertson. And, and and see if you can genetically create their DNA, fuse mm-hmm. them together, and then inject it into all of the Titans With offensive the line. With the height of Pecorino. Right. <laughs> you just give it to the Titans offensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe anyone that plays defense for the Tennessee Volunteers. Just anybody. Yeah. Any one of the players on defense for the Vols would be good. Uh, also, uh, while we're at it, we'll also sell some of that product to Derek Mason at Vanderbilt. We'll give him all that product. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somebody on that defense decides to play football as well. Um, but yeah, RV is just, there's a reason that the, and, and here's what's interesting about hockey. Mm-hmm. Kids will tell you, like young kids that are fans will tell you all you need to know about who they love. Mm-hmm. Like who they love is because they notice those guys. Oh, right? exactly. They notice who's always creating and always fun and always exciting. And, and you go back three or four years ago before the cup run and right as Arvidsson was starting to break into the league, the kids around the league were going, man, I love watching. It was 38 at the time. Now he's 33. Like, it it, it was fun to watch. Like, the, mm-hmm. the kids fell in love with him first. And you can always tell when, like, the 8-year-old and the 10-year-old has fallen in love with the player why that's happening. It's because he's exciting. Yeah. And he's fun to watch. Their and, best and, player is not Johansson. It's Arvidsson. And, and Forsberg has it's two goals. It's not goal. Forsberg. Hey, hey, it's Fors- Arvidsson. Forsberg's on pace for 82 goals, too. So settle down over there. Right? But but Arvid's just, he's just, he brings that. He brings that energy, man. That 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 again, it's infectious, and it rubs off on everybody, even the people in the in 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 the stands. You know, it just it just splats on everybody. All right, so the Predators one and one through two games. They've got the San Jose Sharks tomorrow night, and then the Washington Capitals on Thursday as they open up the season with four straight at Bridgestone Arena. I like that splat reference. That was a good job out of you, Mace. Oh, you're I see welcome. You, I see you giggling over there. <laughs> Braden's crying. He, he's, he's lost his mind. We will take a break. <laughs> we will uh, come back and get to the Tennessee Titans because it's been 30 minutes since we ridiculed them. We're back after this on Morning Drive.